Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by our great friends at Purdy Insurance Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto home life business, whatever your insurance needs may be, they are the pros pros. Purdy Insurance Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Sandy Barber, talk with the media within the past couple of hours. Here are some of her comments. I don't see that changing, um, but I also appreciate uh, the passion uh, of our parents and our, and our student-athletes. Uh, and, and I appreciate where both their hearts and their heads are. Uh, in terms of the viability of a spring uh, season uh, for, for football and, frankly, for all of our sports, uh, I absolutely see it being viable. Obviously, it's going to depend on where the virus is at the time. All of our sports are going to depend on that. Uh, but to be honest with you, uh, being who we are as athletic directors, we turned our attention to that pretty quickly uh, Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening into Wednesday. Uh, and along with our coaches, along with some of our sports science people, our sports medicine folks, uh, we are far down the road on concept. Uh, obviously a lot to be done in terms of uh, dotting I's and crossing T's. Um, but we, we've, uh, we've put something together that uh, I think is very compelling uh, and that our student athletes and our fans and, uh, and our communities will be pretty interested in. Elaborate on Tyler's question. Uh, there have been some pretty high-profile personalities, including our Urban Meyer, who are, have discarded the, the notion of spring football pretty much out of hand, while Jeff Brom put together a, a fairly intricate plan. Why do you think spring football can be played and then a following season of fall without uh, uh, undue intolerable injury to, to players, wear and tear to players. I guess that's the question. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's Dave, where, where we're going to rely on our, uh, our sports science people. We're going to rely on our sports medicine folks. Uh, we're going to rely on the, on the science to tell us. We've already had a lot of conversations about practice versus uh, what, what kind of practice and how far could we, we take it back and have that be uh, have that be um, uh, have that be safe? Frankly, uh, and numbers of practices, types of practices, numbers of games, numbers of games in a spring season versus numbers of games in, in a fall season. So just like the decision around COVID, um, we're, we're going to rely on the science. We're going to rely on on our experts. 
to tell us when something is too much. Um, I certainly appreciate uh, both, uh, both Coach Meyer's uh, position uh, and Coach Brom's position and, and lots of others. Uh, several of our coaches in this conference have, have put together their thoughts in a, and on models that, that might work. Um, but all that does is, is illustrate the same thing that, um, that we're all witnessing, is that for every issue here, uh, that you're going to find people on, uh, on every, to both extremes um, and everything in the middle in terms of what they believe the answer is. Um, and they all believe they're right. So uh, I'll, I'll respect that and uh, gather information and make uh, the best decisions we can. Uh, Heather Denich, ESPN. Hey, Sandy, I was wondering if you could um, talk about how your conversations have gone with parents and the questions that they're asking and, and how difficult it has been to explain the quick turnaround that happened to them. Because I've been talking to a lot of them, too, and, and that's what – I'm hearing from it is is what happened. Um, from <laughs> they got their schedule and the kids were excited, and then what happened? How have those conversations with parents gone from your chair? Yeah. Hi, Heather. How you doing? Hi. <laughs> uh, and, and you know what? I think that's fair. I, I get it. Uh, that that's that's a that's a question that uh, that I think naturally um, comes uh, comes from this. Uh, to to be very honest with you. I have not directly spoken uh, to, to any of our parents um, uh, in, the, in our sport of football. Uh, Coach Franklin and, uh, and all of, uh, of our assistants have done a fabulous job of staying engaged uh, with our parents uh, and as have our, our coaches in, in, other, uh, in, in other sports. I, I have uh, had conversations with student-athletes. Uh, and certainly they represent not only their own uh, concerns, but, uh, but those of, of their families. Uh, and, and I think it's, it's exactly what, uh, what, uh, what you just said, that, wait, what, 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 what happened here? And um, certainly I've talked to them. I, I wasn't in the room uh, or on the Zoom uh, when, the, when the decision was made. Uh, but I've talked to, to my president. I've talked to Dr. Barron uh, numerous times. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's clear that things that we'd had concern about all along, uh, whether they be about availability of testing or standardization of, of testing or consistency uh, or, or some of the, the early results that, uh, across the conference or uh, understanding contact tracing and consistency in contract tracing or how do you possibly play a uh, – uh, a high contact uh, sport uh, with uh, the way that our public health departments are um, are undertaking contact tracing, and then obviously the one that's probably gotten the most attention is the long term health uh, implications. Um, you know, those things all added up, and um, as I uh, communicated uh, first in writing, and then I've certainly been doing it. Um, uh, either I did have a group of fall sports student athletes last night that I spoke to, and then I've had some individual conversations. Um, you know, we, so any any one of them um, can disagree uh, with the the decision itself, uh, but we can't disagree that it was made with health and safety in, in mind. And uh, and and that's uh, look. The, the, the flow of information and the speed at which it's come at us 
Um, and then what I mentioned before about uh, having experts on every uh, every side uh, of an answer uh, to, to every one of these questions, um, that makes it really difficult. And it makes it really difficult, particularly on uh, an age group of young men and young women, 18 to 23 years old, who are folk and have been focused so singularly on playing uh, for the last five months. Um, and, uh, and, and this is hard. This is really difficult, and I totally get it. Just a quick follow, because it seems to be a lot of confusion. What exactly can the athletes do right now? What are they doing? What can they use on campus and just going to class and stuff? Yeah, right now, uh, until the uh, the NCA were to come up with some kind of a, a structure, and as you know, Heather, I serve on the NCA Football Oversight Committee, and we are actually uh, meeting a couple of times this week uh, to to try to come up with a hybrid model for the fall uh, for the football teams that are uh, now practicing in the fall and 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 uh, projecting to play in the spring. Because um, let's face it. We're, we're all just, whether we're projecting to play in the fall or we're projecting to play in the spring, spring we're all just projecting to play, right? Um, but uh, it's uh, right now they can do um, up to what any football program, talking about football, but we've also obviously got both soccers on campus, volleyball, uh, our two cross countries, and, and field hockey. Uh, they can do what the uh, NCAA rules would allow them in their preseason lead-up to season uh, training camp. Um, I do believe that sometime after probably about the middle of September, uh, the, um, the NCAA uh, will, uh, will, come, will come in with something that will look all – it won't look exactly spring ball-ish, uh, but it'll, look, it'll, be, it'll be a hybrid um, as those, those football programs, in this case football, those football programs lead into what would be um, a uh, spring semester season. We'll go to Audrey Snyder with The Athletic. Hi, Sandy. Thank you for your time. First question, based off of what you had said about everyone wanting to fight um, and play, did Penn State vote to play this season? And second part of that, um, is Beaver Stadium even capable of being used, you know, January through March with pipes freezing and all that kind of stuff? Let, let me answer the second one first. <laughs> um, obviously, you know we have some, some challenges there with the uh, with the infrastructure, as do a number of our stadiums uh, in this league. So that's obviously one of the challenges that any any concept for a spring semester uh, football schedule would have to would have to address. Um, the, the first part of your question, uh, again, as you know, I, I was uh, was not in the room or, or, or on the on the Zoom. It's unclear to me whether there was a whether whether there was ever a vote uh, or, or not. Um, but it is clear to me um, that Penn State uh, and Eric Barron, uh, both uh, on our campus, and then as he as he took his thoughts uh, to uh, to the Big Ten and to the various conversations that they had, uh, explored every option. Um, to, to play every option that would have been uh, uh, acceptable from a health and, and safety standpoint. So uh, you know, to say that uh, that Dr. Barron fought for the ability for our student athletes to play this fall, I, I think that would be a correct assumption. We'll welcome our newest uh, member of the beat, Parth Upadhyay from the uh, Center Daily Times. Parth, do you see Penn State cutting a program completely just to kind of recover from? A lack yeah. of Parth, as you you may or may not know, uh, a bunch of the other folks here uh, obviously do. We have a long history and tradition um, of comprehensive excellence uh, across a, a fairly large number uh, of sports, 
and certainly one of my goals uh, would be to continue uh, to continue that uh, that that tradition uh, and and continue continue that as as one of our long he- long held values. Uh, but having said that, uh, obviously this is going to be a very difficult uh, financial situation, and uh, I, I have tasked our team and and certainly am part of. Uh, looking at every available measure um, to close the gap uh, of, of whatever the revenue is that we're going to lose. As you know, uh, we've undergone salary reductions. We have uh, we have taken uh, uh, taken um, reductions in our in our operating budget. Some of it uh, obviously is going to happen organically without travel uh, this fall. How much of that is going to be is going to just be spent um, in the spring? Obviously, we've, we're uh, we're getting a grip on that. Uh, but how much can we can we close that gap? And then we'll just need to make sure that uh, to be responsible, fiscally responsible, from a leadership standpoint, I've got to put everything on the table uh, and uh, and then analyze and understand the impacts on our on our department, on our organization, and then the impacts to the bottom line. And we'll have to decide uh, which of those measures we take. Now we'll go to Mark Brennan, uh, fight on state. Can you tell us what feedback you got on the timing of the Big Ten's decision? I know uh, James was very adamant that hey, why not wait? And it's you've been really been a proponent for uh, student athletes' voices being heard, and it seems like they're kind of hurt that they weren't even heard, their voices were not heard at all while this decision was being made. Not to say that that would have played a part, but uh, they weren't heard at all. So, what what what's your take on that? Yeah, um, let me. Uh, I don't know whether this makes any difference uh, to uh, to your assertion that their voices weren't weren't heard at all. Um, Kevin <clears throat> Kevin Warren did hold a uh, a Zoom call with two representatives from each of the institutions. I think it was two Mondays ago, um, just to to hear how they were feeling, how they as as we kind of headed to. to the true training camp. Um, I think it was at the beginning of the week that uh, I think soccer was just about to start and uh, football and volleyball were starting at the end of the week. Um, and, uh, and so I, I wouldn't say that the voices were not, uh, were not heard at all. Uh, was this a, a session about whether or not we should halt, uh, postpone fall sports? It was not. Uh, so, um, so I do think um, that uh, it, it's probably not fair to say that their voices weren't heard uh, a- at all. Um, absolutely, I'm a proponent of uh, of hearing students, and uh, you know, certainly I think that uh, most. I mean, I'm I'm most familiar, obviously, with Penn State uh, and the ways in which uh, sometimes through our coaches, sometimes directly uh, through our uh, through our sob and and. Uh, and through other opportunities we've given our student athletes. Uh, I think Penn State has done a good job. I think where Penn State has done the best job, uh, an incredible job, and I give the credit, all the credit to our performance team and, and sports medicine is in the education, and that was an opportunity for parents to get on uh, with those Zoom calls as well, um, express concerns, ask questions, uh, and, uh, and, and so I do think there's been a lot of information um, I think probably what you're getting at is uh, they weren't aware um, until um, the uh, uh, till there started to be speculation on whatever that Saturday was, Saturday the eighth or Saturday the seventh, whatever it was, um, that there was a possibility that anyone in uh, uh, with the ability to make the decision was considering um, uh, calling it off right now. Johnny Collins, Times Tribune. 
the spring football season in, a, in an ideal sense. What, what, what kind of discussions have you had about when that might start? I mean, we've heard coaches say earlier the better. I mean, I think the one plan said March. Have you guys kind of discussed that in relation to the, the impact on a potential fall 2021 season? Yeah, we we have, um, and we've discussed it uh, on the 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 impact to uh, to fall 2021, the the time distance, the uh, you, you know you want to consider players that get hurt in the spring of 20, uh, which we take into consideration with spring ball too, right? Uh, what uh, what's going to be the interface with the with the NFL? How many of our NFL prospects would actually participate uh, in a uh, in, in a spring season? How many games are we going to try to play in uh, in the fall? Um, it, it all interacts together, uh, and as I said before, our uh, kind of the guiding principle there is to play, yes, um, but also be guided by our uh, our sports science folks. Uh, uh, and we've had lots of conversation um, about certainly we've had conversation about number of games, um, but our experts have told us where we really need to focus is on the intensity of practice. How many practices, the intensity of the practice, what kind of practice. Uh, so those are the kinds of things that, that we're examining now. Um, but there are pros and cons to, uh, to earlier. Uh, there are pros and cons to, uh, to later. We will. So like everything else in this situation. <laughs> we will uh, try Elton Hayes again. He thinks he's fixed, so we'll see what we got. Elton? Good. I'm good. That was you or error on my end, so my apologies. Welcome back, Elton. I'm, I'm back. I'm back. I'm in the house. Football obviously gets a lot of attention around here as it's, you know, I mean, Penn State football, but you've got championship-winning ball programs in women's volleyball, women's soccer. was wondering, in conversations you've had with Coach Dombach and Coach Rose and some of those athletes, what are you hearing from them in terms of Kind of the same challenges of moving their season to the um, to the spring. Um, this kind of what's what's been the I guess general you know topic of conversation and, and concerns from those coaches and those players. Yeah, great question, Elton. I appreciate it. Um, you know, you you close your eyes and uh, and and coaches are coaches, <laughs> and uh, and I mean that in in the most complimentary way. I was one. Um, they want to play. And uh, are they concerned about, uh, again, particularly for, for us with 31 programs, and we're, we're pretty heavy in the spring, uh, I think 11, uh, I, I can't remember, it's something like 11 of ours uh, are true spring programs with a number of our winter sports that, that particularly as successful as they are, go pretty deep uh, into, uh, in, into the spring. So there's been uh, there's been some conversation there about uh, uh, how we would schedule facilities and how we would do those kinds of things. But uh, but in in the main, they're excited about an opportunity, uh, excited about uh, the ability uh, to point for something, to train for something, to use the fall um, as a true development, true player development. You know they're gonna uh, they're, they're gonna look for the silver linings here. Um, there you know we all. We all took a little pause middle of last week and, and uh, had our uh, uh, had our our, uh, our our little uh, you know I had my own little uh, little tantrum um, uh, in my disappointment uh, about th that there wasn't going to be uh, any fall sports. Uh, but then I think it was uh, Thursday morning I got up and and uh, we had our our leadership team meeting and I said guys I'm fired up I'm fired up about the opportunity ahead. Uh, how we make how how we how we pull this off? It's going to take a lot of work. 
uh, and uh, not unlike the last five months, uh, but in, you know how we do this, and, and I'm fired up to get stuff done. Uh, and I think our student athletes and our coaches, uh, for the most part, uh, have uh, have taken a very similar approach. You mentioned, in response to Heather, uh, some of the things that changed from August 5th to August 8th, like testing and tracing. You also mentioned long-term implications. Were you referring to myocarditis and reports that the Big Ten may have received, or and do you believe that was the chief reason why the president decided to postpone? Yeah, ultimately, Rich, I, I believe, um, and, and again, you know, it wasn't necessarily it wasn't necessarily um, that that something discreet changed from the fifth to the eighth. Um, it was uh, it, it was little bits of information. Um, as well as, again, the rate of information coming in, the rate of, of our, our learning uh, uh, has been phenomenal over the course of the, of the last five months. And, um, you know, we've been talking on our campus uh, about long-term uh, impacts uh, for probably two months. Uh, we've been talking about myocarditis. Uh, we've been fortunate enough that we have not diagnosed any of our positive uh, uh, students uh, with myocarditis uh, at this point. Um, but that's been on our radar for, I, I would say, at least, uh, at least two months. Uh, but uh, we have an infectious disease task force, an emerging infectious disease task force, and our sports medicine uh, committee uh, for a reason, uh, for them to be the experts and, and bring to us information that either positive or, or of concern, um, and they've done that all along. You know, the, the, the probably the positive place, and, and you all know this, the, the, the area that we're getting the most positives in, um, although it's some positive and some negative, but he's on the testing front, uh, and that's on the, um, uh, the saliva test, the point-of-care uh, saliva test. Um, on the other hand, uh, the reagent, the PCR reagent-based test, are becoming, uh, you know, the supply chain on those is tightening up a little bit, which was very concerning, uh, I know, to our, our, uh, our presidents and chancellors. Um, so, uh, you know, those things, we, we learn more and more uh, in real time. Uh, the uh, the long-term impacts are something we can't know. We can't know right now. Um, and frankly, we can't know in two or three weeks uh, either. So uh, was that certainly a part of their decision? Absolutely it was. Uh, but it's, uh, I, I wouldn't say it's uh, as a subject, um, you know, maybe some of the information within it, but as a subject, uh, I don't think it was new to any of our campuses or new to our presidents or chancellors. But Mark Wilgenrich, uh, SI.com. You mentioned earlier um, about that it was unclear whether a vote was taken. I just wanted to contextualize that statement. What did you mean by that? And then also what do you mean um, if you could uh, maybe describe, or I guess, what constitutes fighting on behalf of the Penn State uh, athletes on your behalf and Dr. Barron's behalf? Yeah, so um, I, I will make myself much clearer on the statement. <laughs> it is unclear to me whether or not there was, there was a vote. I, nobody's ever told me there was. So I, I, I just don't know. Whether there, uh, whether there actually was uh, a vote by the uh, by the chancellors and presidents, um, and, and then you know by by fighting, it, it's trying to find a way. 
um, doing everything we can uh, to find a way to have a season safely. I, from minute one, we've always talked about, every, you know, you guys are probably tired of me saying health and safety, health and safety, health and safety. Um, but it, 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 is, it is the overriding principle. But you've also heard me talk about balance. Um, you know, I, I personally, I am a true believer that we have to find a balance in all of this about, yeah, being safe, wearing masks, not, not gathering in, in big crowds. And, but at the same time, um, we, do, we do have to live our lives. You know, I'm, I'm thrilled that we're bringing students back to campus and, and we're, we've got a, this campus has a great plan. Um, and the virus will decide whether it works or not. Um, so uh, fighting to me is working hard to have a plan, have a really, really smart plan, uh, one that, uh, that the student athletes trust. Um, and I think everything you all have read or everything you all have talked to our individual student athletes, um, they, I believe, um, you'll have to ask them, but I believe they felt like we had a great plan and we, we put it together and they felt safe, they understood it, their families understood it, and they were, to the very, very best of their ability, they were working it. Um, and I am very appreciative of all the work uh, that they put in um, to that. And they're gonna keep doing it, because we're gonna keep practicing. Uh, and uh, we're going to, uh, we're, we're gonna make this small, this fall semester, uh, one of, of development of their minds, their, their bodies. Uh, we're gonna work on social justice, uh, we're going to do uh, all kinds of things uh, for, uh, for them to participate and engage in this fall. Frank Bodani, your daily record. So what would be the reason that you know or, or, or benefit of the Big Ten canceling last week when a season could not, you know, may not have even started to the end of September? And then secondly, what would be your estimation on when we would have more firm plans about a spring football season? Yeah, um, I'm getting all these two-part questions because I think that, that Chris isn't allowing two questions. So uh, <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, 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 first, uh, the first half of your, your two-part question um, is I, I believe that the chancellors and presidents had enough concern uh, about some of the items that we've talked about and about the uncertainty and that the nature of those and the nature of the uncertainty was not something that was going to change in two or three weeks or, or, or a month. Um, otherwise, I think they would have uh, they would have held out, um, and that they felt it was important um, to uh, uh, to make the decision uh, and to start working on what is the next best uh, viable opportunity. So I, I think that's the answer to uh, to, to the first one. Um, and then, I'm sorry, Frank, I forgot the second part. <laughs> no, you, the spring football season, more firm plans uh, yeah, as yeah. to when they might be released because people are, I think players are, and parents are just upset that they don't have more information. Absolutely. And, and I look, I totally understand it. It, it has a huge impact on their lives. Um, I don't think we're going to have it done and dusted and eyes dotted and T's crossed. Uh, but I do believe that we are looking at um, releasing uh, kind of the concepts around it, what we're working towards, uh, and, and I think that that should be in the next week or so. 
there's still a lot of summer left. But time is running out to save on a new Kia from Sunbury Motors Kia. It's the Summer Sticker Sales Event at Sunbury Motors Kia. But you have to hurry in before these deals fade away like the summer sun. Sunbury Motors Kia offers you the low-price promise on every new Kia on the lot. Just plus the 2020 Kia Serenos with up to $7,200 off. As low as $23,998. 2020 Kia Sportages with up to four grand off. Starting at just $22,793. Plus, Sunbury Motors Kia will give you top trading value for your current vehicle. Bring your trade, look for a sticker, and save. Remember, every new Kia comes with a 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty. The Summer Sticker Sales Event at Sunbury Motors Kia on the Strip in Hummel's Wharf. Savings include all applicable discounts and rebates, including Sunbury Motors Kia discount. Warranty is a limited powertrain warranty. For details, see dealer or go to kia.com. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to PurdyInsurance.com. Auto Home Life Business. Maybe you can save money with bundles. They'll do that for you too. Most important part to them is that you're covered and you have it at the best price. They are the pros, pros, and insurance. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Summer. Go to purdyinsurance.com and the Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament, the Truman H. Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament, raised $19,100 for the Greater Susquehanna Valley YMCA. Could be a lot of young people helped out by this. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai. Great pre-owned inventory. Fabulous service department. Great deals to be had. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. All right, so let's uh, shift gears. Go to Philadelphia. Our good friend Matt Leon joins us there. Matt, welcome. Great to have you with us. Well, how are you? I'm hanging in. Your your conversation with me, I'm sure, was timely for your... uh, for your podcast, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, it all went sideways about an hour after we finished. (laughs) But thank you for inviting me. I enjoyed it very much. No no problem at all. As usual, you did a great job. Uh, So let's uh, get to the Flyers. If you went to bed early last night, you missed nothing. You saw the one goal, and that was it. But what I admire about about teams that are successful, and I'm sure you feel the same way, the really good ones have a wide variety of ways to win, and the Flyers showed that to me last night. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're not used in Philadelphia to having a goalie kind of steal a game in the playoffs. It's usually the other way around. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Carter Hart gets the shutout. Uh, you know, hey, like you said, just find a way to win. You know, that are not all going to be pretty. It's funny, that Flyers game, if you were simply watching Twitter and not actually watching the game, you would have thought they were getting pasted 7-1. to one. Yeah. But, uh, 
No, it's a you know, it's a nice bounce back after they looked bad in the second game. You know, getting blitzed five nothing, and they looked lifeless for the first twenty thirty minutes. Uh, so finding a way to get that W, that's really that's really all that matters, especially in the playoffs. And that you know, and I think they got away with something last night in the third period, in my opinion. They got away with the uh, we're going to play not to lose. I mean, and you know, and they and they won with it. Right, but they got to the point where, like, hey, we're just going to dump it. We're out. We're just going to dump it out. We're going to dump it out. Then they had a couple of icings where you sit back and go, can you just skate five more feet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just give me five more feet. <laughs> yeah. And usually the playing not to lose almost universally in big spots comes back to bite you. But they did, they did get away with it and did grab the W. Yeah, they did. And I thought, you know, that's what, 2 1 now? Over yeah. Montreal, and uh, you know, so now they. Uh, to me, the series hinges to me on this next game here. The Flyers go up three-one. Uh, they've got it's two-two. Then it becomes a best of three, and now it becomes a slug. Uh, how do you view that? No, I agree with you. I think when you're in these situations, you know, it sounds it sounds like a simple thing to say, but the difference between 3-1 and 2-2 is monumental. Oh, yeah. And especially when you're, you know, this is not a very good Montreal team. You know, this is a well under 500 Montreal team. Uh, So, if you can get them down where they kind of remember that they're, you know, a 31-win team, uh, you're you're in a pretty good spot there. So, no, I I agree with you completely. This is a critical, I mean, they're all critical in a best-of-seven, but this really will probably determine how the rest of this series plays out. Celtics and uh, Sixers will then play in Game 1. And uh, the Celtics ended up with uh, five more wins out of this thing than the Sixers did. What do you think of the matchup between the two, especially considering how banged up the Sixers are? Yeah, it's amazing how you know, you're in a literal bubble environment and the Sixers still manage to have a game, what, a week and a half ago where all five starters weren't available. I mean, uh, that's hard to do. Um, Boston has always given them problems, you know, under since the Sixers have really kind of turned the corner to be one of the top teams. Uh, Boston's always kind of been uh, a team that they have struggled with uh, in big spots. No Ben Simmons obviously makes life tougher for the Sixers. I will say Boston always seemed to defend Simmons really well. Uh, and one, I think the reasons why the Sixers struggled against the Celtics was that the Celtics were able to keep Ben Simmons uh, contained to a to a certain point. Uh, but you look at this now, you know, all eyes on Embiid, and uh, I would probably lean towards the Celtics in this series. But the Sixers are certainly talented enough, and uh, it'll be interesting. I mean. You see some things, and I feel like we've said this for three years now, but, you know, you read a lot of columns that maybe Brett Brown's coaching for his job. And yeah. I feel like maybe this is the first time that that's uh, pretty accurate. Yeah, the Celtics only have one injury, and that's Romeo Langford. They list him in his day-to-day, but I think that's also the status of his career. Uh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I was never big on them drafting him. Uh, to me, when I look at the matchup, the Celtics don't match up with Embiid at all. But then again, you and I both know very few teams match up with Joel Embiid. He's a special talent. 
The, pro- right. the problem is the Sixers don't really match up with Tatum. They don't really match up with Jalen Brown. They don't match up with Gordon Hayward. That's the, you know when you got three matchups on one side and the other team has one really awesome matchup on the other side, that's not a good formula. No, absolutely not. And the Sixers will need Al Horford to step up. Yes. And uh, they will really need Al Horford to be the Al Horford they thought they were signing in the offseason. The Al Horford who killed them in games like this when he was on Boston. Yeah. So you hope maybe there's a a little bit of a a fire there. I don't not fire not that Al Horford's not always fired up to play, but mm-hmm. uh, a little extra push there. Uh, and in addition, you know, Tobias Harris. This is a, a big spot for him. The the contract yeah. guy. You sign a guy to a contract like that, and you're missing a guy like Ben Simmons. You need someone like Tobias Harris to really kind of step up and help grab a series. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch. Um, the Sixers were up and down in the the seeding games. Uh, so and really all season prior to the pandemic, post pandemic. The Sixers have really been a group that can beat anyone by 30 and can lose to anyone by 30. And you can really run the gamut in between those two extremes of what to expect on every night. Uh, So I I say we all just kind of take a deep breath, watch it for the enjoyment purposes, and see where we are at the end of the night. (laughs) Matt, what's your opinion of how Shake Milton has played? He's been probably the best story of the season, I think. I mean, he was a guy that you always kind of heard talk about and, uh, you know, that maybe he could be a contributor. And then all of a sudden, you know, he started to get, like, legitimate chances to play, and he started to put up some really, really impressive numbers. And uh, he could be a wild card. You know, we talked about, we've mentioned, you know, a lot of different guys, and we haven't talked about him. And he hasn't been – overly impressive since they've come back uh, but like I said back before before COVID-19 he had really shown the ability to fill it up in a hurry and you know we'll see uh, this will be his, the first real you know chance he'll get to shine in a playoff type situation uh, and it'll be interesting from that standpoint given what, from a health situation and talk about, well, he's going in the wrong direction and we're really concerned. So, uh, I, I've, I've heard plateaued, like, you know, he's, he's not making progress. I've heard that. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard wrong direction, but yeah, I've heard plateaued or yeah. you know, not making as much progress as we hoped. I've heard that. And it sounds like uh, when they were running, running some drills during practice today, your top two receivers were Deshaun Jackson and uh, Jalen Rager, the number one pick. So that'll be interesting. Uh, sounds like they're already a little banged up uh, along the defensive line. Um, wait and see how that plays out. But uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, no preseason games kind of changes a lot of dynamics yes. really, really quickly. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it how it plays out because i don't think we really we don't have a playbook for what to look for what this is going to look like and just kind of rolling towards the uh, regular season by the way how is doug peterson looks like he was cleared uh what's today monday probably a little about a week ago he was back and and ready to go i do not believe he ever had any kind of significant symptoms he may actually have been asymptomatic the whole time yeah that's good yeah 
And so are you. Appreciate, Absolutely. Appreciate you. your time very much, my friend. Appreciate you. Take care. Matt Leon in Philadelphia. We'll wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Yeah, all right. Love it. That's great. Okay. Uh, Sandy Barber met with the media today. Uh, There were several key takes, but I think the key one uh, that I saw dealt with the viability of spring. Um, And that was... Her quote, in terms of the viability of a spring season for football and, frankly, for all of our sports, I absolutely see it being viable. Obviously, it's going to depend on where the virus is at the time. All of our sports are going to depend on that. But to be honest with you, being who we are as athletic directors, we turned our attention to that pretty quickly. Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening into Wednesday, and along with our coaches, along with some of our sports science people, our sports medicine folks, we are far down the road on concepts. Obviously a lot to be done in terms of dotting the I's and crossing the T's, but we put something together that I think is very compelling and that our student-athletes and our fans and our communities will be pretty interested in. They may have that, by the way, in about a week out there. There are two keys to this. Number one, to me, you... uh, Resist the temptation to overdo the spring semester with the idea of playing a full fall 2021 season, 12 games plus whatever postseason, where you get back on track. I think you can accomplish that with division games in the spring semester and then a plus one if you want to play the team opposite you in the standings in the West, including the Big Ten championship game. That's me. The other part will be as follows. You need, and this is where James James is brilliant at this, and I can speak to it firsthand. I'm there. You need to practice smart. You need to practice smart. You need to make sure you, you get it just enough during the course of the week in terms of contact to play on Saturday. You need to practice smart. James does practice smart. Take my word. He practices very smart. So that part I am confident in. Penn State will practice smart. Thus, they'll have enough to play both a spring semester limited schedule, and I really do want to see a full fall schedule for 21. And limit the front so you can be full schedule-wise on the back. And that's... Uh, but let's see what concept they come up with. They, they may come up with some concepts where I sit back and go, hey, yo, that's pretty good. I'm looking forward to see some of the concepts that they are discussing. We all are. 
coaches, players, fans, broadcasters. Matt? I think the only who's the only person I know that wasn't interested in the concepts. <laughs> <laughs> He's good. Now, did he bring up Marco Andretti today in the staff meeting? Actually, he did not. No. Indy 500. Surprisingly, he did not. Really? Because I'll be honest with you, I think it's big news. I mean, it, to me, Mar- Marco Andretti. I think he's won twice on the IndyCar circuit. But the name, the name recognition, it's the shot in the arm that IndyCar would need. Now, he's got to negotiate 500 miles. He has to negotiate 800 left turns successfully faster than anybody else. You ever notice when the suit goes to work... Every turn's a left turn. Did you notice that? Actually, no, but that's not surprising. He's IndyCar through and through. <laughs> then he takes another route on the way home. All Again, all left turns. I mean, even their own fans can't make a right turn. It's just, I find it sad, Matt. I find it sad. It's the way it goes. It's the way it goes in that world. <laughs> Today's show has been brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Our thanks to everyone who participated in the Truman H. Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament. They were able to raise $19,100 for the Greater Susquehanna Valley YMCA. Remarkable considering the circumstances.